Welcome back to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. My name is Eric, and I'm really excited to share this conversation I had with Troy and Rusty from OptionOmega.com. Option Omega is a new advanced backtesting software I've personally been using and really improving some of my strategies that I've been you know, trading the last couple of years. It's got a lot of the features that other programs tend to lack, and I've kind of had to manually do on my own. We're going to cover all of it here in a minute, though, so you get a full understanding. And as a courtesy to you, the listener of this podcast, Troy and Rusty are giving a 50% discount if you decide you want to try the software out. If you use the code SMOT over at optionomega.com, you'll receive the discount. Again, the 50% discount code is SMOT. That is S-M-O-T for stock market options trading. Now, before we get started, though, everything in this episode and on this entire podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial advice. Now, let's get into my conversation with Troy and Rusty from optionomega.com, and we're starting right now. All right, so we're here with Troy and Rusty from Option Omega. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. I know well. we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about, uh, or a lot about Option Omega uh, your software, but I wanted to kind of back up a little bit and just kind of hear from you guys. How did you get into trading sort of in the beginning? Because, you know, we're going to probably get into a little bit of like SPX, SPY options, which is like a whole nother, it's, it's a, it's a niche, right? So mm -hmm. how did you guys kind of just get into trading and investing in, uh, to begin with? And, and how did you get into options? Well, I was going to say that originally, like way back in 2008, I started reading a bunch of stuff from uh, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, who wrote Black Swan, Anti-Fragile, a bunch of outstanding books. And he was talking a lot about financial markets and why it was crashing. And I was a young buck back then, had a couple yeah. of kids and stuff since then. But uh, <laughs> so I was reading, reading his stuff and he was talking a lot about tail hedging, especially mm. uh, tail risk and that sort of thing. And so I didn't trade for a long time. He did get me into deadlifting actually before I did option trading. So I started, Troy and I were deadlifting for, for a few minutes there. Oh yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> it was going pretty well until we got old and I hurt my knee and he hurt his back and, but, yeah. you know, yeah, it happens. So anyway, uh, but he was talking about options and I think Troy actually started doing the option thing first. He started just buying uh, way out of the money puts mm. on SPX when the VIX was super low, like we're talking, remember the what was it called, the Vol Apocalypse of what was it, twenty eighteen or early twenty nineteen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you turned like a three hundred dollar put into I don't know, like twenty grand or something crazy, wow. right? Because VIX was like I don't know, teens or something, yeah. like low teens. I think it got down to twelve or something at one point. I remember it getting yeah. pretty low uh, back then. Yeah, yeah, Troy, you should probably talk more about that because you. That's what. So then I got interested after after he made a couple of those. Yeah. I was like maybe I should. Make some more asymmetrical plays. So yeah, that's you, kind of how I started. Yeah, when you see the home runs, you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I want to, I want to get into this. Um, I like, I like your, I like the asymmetrical aspect, which is something that um, I haven't really mastered, if you will. I've kind of gone the other route of just like small, small win, small consistent wins. You know, more of an income mm -hmm. um, style. But um, so Troy, how did how did you get? I mean, how did you even know? open a, an account and, and start buying and selling options where, you, you know, we're just on the internet or what? Yeah. So Rusty and I, like you said, I, we worked together. He was actually my boss, our current employer and um, both software engineers and hmm. uh, talk philosophy a lot. And he got me into Nesim Taleb and uh, he was reading it more for the philosophy. But by the end I was, I was kind of just trying to dig in more about, wait, what did you do during the crash of 87? And um, yeah. 
and just reading more about options, didn't know anything about them. But the thing that had always bothered me about investing is kind of the allure of being like a stock market genius, like the Warren Buffett thing. It, it always just seemed a little bit of smoke and mirrors to me uh, of how you do that. And so the thing with options that always got me was, A, the asymmetric payoff, which, yeah, like, and it was totally luck. I mean, I just started like January of 2018, tell hedging. It didn't even, right. I couldn't even call it tell hedging. It was the only thing I did. So it wasn't even hedging anything. It was yeah. just, you know, but I bought those. And then Vomageddon, we watched it at the office actually in real time, Vomageddon, where it just went from like 300 to 8,000 in about three hours. Yeah. And it was just insane. And so from then on, I was hooked. And then the other <laughs> thing that's interesting about options to me is just, you have that asymmetric payoff, but you also have the ability to profit when nothing's happening. And there's not an there's not another financial derivative like that. There's nothing else like right. that to where you can get paid for huge payoffs and you can get paid when it doesn't do anything. You know, and so yeah, yeah. it's interesting. The I, I I so most of my trading friends are you know guys like you who are just know online. I've I've I don't know a lot of people in real life. Um, in my you know, I should say real life, but my um, personal life that that under I guess just understand this is something that t- that Tom Sosnoff would I, I kind of learned from the Tasty Tree guys like that this stuff it, it actually exists right this the market for options exists and you can trade both sides mm-hmm. and you can trade um, it's, there's a huge kind of creative element and I I. It's interesting you brought up the philosophy. I think I think all good traders at at some point end up in philosophy. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that you started out in philosophy because you ultimately have to have some kind of uh, you know philosophy, for the lack of a better term, to to just say, hey, it's going to work. I got to let the math play out or or whatever. Um, I kind of did that backwards. It's funny. So your first trade was awesome. My first trades were not awesome. Um, and I was doing I was doing credit spreads and I I, I don't want to say it was 08. I can't remember the year. And I was like, OK, all right. I I, I was an invest tool student from Thinkorswim. I'd gone to like a seminar and me and my boss had gone similar to you guys. And, and we were uh, I started trading. I'm like, OK, I'm going to put on my first credit spread. It just blew up in my face and I didn't lose a lot. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but I didn't understand the macro element of the market. I didn't have a philosophy. I didn't really have that stuff. So nice to hear that you guys are starting out with that. Uh, Although we started on the wrong side of it. I think that, so Detroit's point of moving from these asymmetrical, you can even call them like the, now they're known as like the meme plays and that kind of stuff, the scratchy lotto ticket mentality. Yeah. yeah. You were doing, Troy, I remember watching you, he was doing a lot of earnings plays and this and that. Mm. And what he realized was that IV was quite often much more than realized volatility. And so right. it's, he, after losing so many of those, I hate to like oh, out you here, Troy, as a <laughs> but after watching oh, him yeah. lose so many of these earnings plays, we both were like, why don't we be the people on the other side of this? Why don't we sell yeah. volatility? Why don't we sell premium and just start farming? We didn't, wouldn't have called it data farming back then, but now we know that's what you call it, right? Yeah. The Let's just start crush. doing that. Yeah. yeah. Selling volatility yeah. and, and started on not SPX, just started on all kinds of things, but then uh, shout out to, to Dan Sheridan and some other folks that, you know, kind of old school have been around forever mm. that we've listened to who kind of got us thinking about more of a consistent math-based approach to selling volatility that, that I'll give Troy the credit. He got me into it. Yeah. So, so you guys are, are software engineers by, by trade. Is that, 
Is that what you meant to say? Mm -hmm. Or both of you in that field? Yeah, yeah, we're both yeah. software developers. Okay. And, and yeah, Rusty was kind of the team lead and uh, at our previous, but we ended up spending a lot of time just, it was a small room with three of us. Yeah. And, uh, and so we just got to know each other really well, but yeah, that, that kind of helped us what I think at least iterate pretty fast on this, this tool that we built because we thought, well, I think we can do this pretty quickly if we, if we set our mind to it. And yeah. that was kind of the, the step we took. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I've been planning in my mind this episode about, uh, I want it to be something to the effect of um, options trading for IT people or whatever, mm -hmm. um, systems administrators, you know, because th there's people that I find that, or at least I connect with the most, because I have an IT background. Mine's more in infrastructure and networking and um, that type of stuff. Um, hard, mm -hmm. not really hardware, but virtualization and cloud stuff like that. Um, so there's got to be, uh, I, I, I want to try to articulate it and I really can't, but there's, there's got to be some kind of um, kind of underlying thread that we've all learned in our, I don't know if it's maybe it's just as simple as having a process, you know, or whatever. It, that's probably what it is. I'm probably overthinking it, but I, there's something there because uh, so a couple of the other people that I've worked with in various projects um, with data, they're all, they all have some kind of um, IT technical background. Now that, yeah, I imagine it has something to do with the engineering nature of it, right? I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, it, it, if you're rigorous with it, it is trusting the math. It is, you know, thinking in terms of not super complex math, but but more of just discipline and rigor, which I think you need in IT in general, right? You need yeah. processes to be good and successful. Yeah. yeah, I've yet to meet a really good um, lawyer that's a trader, you know, because um, <laughs> I, I met a good lawyer that that's the question. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a <laughs> this is a complete sidestep, but there's a buddy of mine. Um, he he he's a lawyer and he does really well, and um, we 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 catch he's from high school and we catch up from time to time and um and we always kind of have this joke about how he's just able to ma manipulate conversation better mm -hmm. like just so he's just super smart and and you can't do that in the stock market right mm -hmm. and a lot and a lot of professions like even doctors are you know they can have all the technical knowledge or whatever in the world but if they don't have the bedside manner people have to want to go back to them, you know, cause I don't know if you've ever been to a crappy doctor, like, ah, I'm not going back to this guy or girl or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. um, so I think, I think people who use their words um, for lack of a better term to get farther in life, sales, lawyers, um, doctors, and I'm probably going to get, <laughs> probably gonna say something to me about this, but, but um <laughs> But I think it, they just it's they're not going to be doing what we're doing, maybe. And I hope and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, if anyone's listening and you're in this field and you trade options, email me. I'm not trying to insult you, but um, <laughs> I, I think there's a common thread with that, that, that more mechanical, like you said, math based process, which I think is inherently built into a lot of IT, you know, professions. But um, so it so, sounds like you're saying the better you are with people, the worse you are with options. Is that is, is like an inverse curve here or what? <laughs> I think you could probably do both. You, you, you might could probably do wrong. both. I mean, you, I mean, I would imagine all the people on CNBC are probably doing both, you know, mm -hmm. but um, 
you know, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying. What are you saying about it? What are you trying to tell me? Is this like an intervention? For my yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay. Let's keep going before I put, <laughs> I, I put my foot uh, deeper in my mouth on this one. But um, so, you know, you guys ended up focusing on SPY and SPX. You kind of mentioned you did some earnings and things. What what kind of got you down that path of focusing on more index, the index side? Yeah, um, I think mainly it was, um, well, one of them, liquidity is nice, right? I mean, yeah. if you're going to be doing this stuff consistently, then I think you need a lot of liquidity. You need to be able to count on getting in and more importantly, getting out of trades quickly. Right. When if you have things like stop losses or 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 profit targets that you're trying to take and you're not just trying for a 10x, you know, lotto ticket return. You, if you're doing this mechanically, you need the mechanics to work. Um, and I, I think that those two vehicles are just the most reliable, obviously. Right. They're the yeah. largest, most heavily traded. And so um, I'm trying to imagine how you would come up with like a reliable, you know, time tested day in and day out strategy on, you know, I don't know. Any other stock? I mean, I guess some people do it with like a, an Apple or things like that, and more power to them. That's, yeah. but to me, Spy and SPX are, are the main vehicles for that. And you could say VIX probably too, maybe a few of the other mm-hmm. derivatives. Yeah. What do you think about the rut? Like Troy, it's you all played? you Troy. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I, I've never played. I rut. I love I love the rut. Yeah. Now, I haven't traded it since probably October uh-huh. because it's been because it's insane. Yeah. Like the this the. The, the volatility is higher naturally with it, but yeah, but yeah, but, but been... something about something about in particular the rut since October, it it almost wasn't. I'm not gonna say it was mispriced volatility, but it almost wasn't. It it, it was almost boring one percent moves each day, so it's really hard to put on a position like that when, you know, whereas, you know, when VIX is at 35, you're gonna get a lot of premium. Something about the rut, just the the volatility of the rut. At least mm-hmm. a couple months ago, I found a horror. I might get back into it because I really do love it. I love putting calendars on it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a big one. I don't know anybody else who, tra- do you trade rut? I, I, I was periodically. I don't think the liquidity is as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I was finding was that, you know, when my setup or whatever you want to call it wasn't there for SPX, I might actually have something for rut. So, I was kind of looking at it like, okay, there, I don't want, I'm not seeing what I, what I normally want to in um, SPX. So is there something in rut, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't consistent. Like, like I, like with SPX or, you know, where I'm just like, I want to, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of grind it out. Um, I would, I, ideally I would like to do more of that, but like you said, it's um, I, I get caught up in sort of mixed signals. So the, the SPX, you know, back to the, First question is like it's just the most consistent um, index. Like like even the Nasdaq, the Nasdaq can be way more bullish, um, mm-hmm. but can also be way more bearish. Like like uh, uh, the RUD or uh, the Russell 2000, IWM, whatever you want to call it, and the Nasdaq. Are, I kind of look at those as more like you know somewhat leading indicators or mm-hmm. um, confirming indicators. So when I see that the S- SPY or whatever is outperforming the Qs, like that's not necessarily a good sign. Yeah, um, right, exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. I I, right. I use that in my kind of just mental analysis, but I haven't gotten real consistent with RUD. And, and partially maybe because we don't have, um, 
you know, I don't have really a tool like Option Omega and that that I can really get deep in there and um, do analysis that I'm confident enough in. It, it just ends up being more technical analysis, which, you know, mm -hmm. I do okay with from here and there, but I don't, I don't feel, I can't, I can't size it to anything significant that, you know. And that, that's one thing. I mean, we're thinking through uh, IWM. I think one of our goals is to get IWM and Option yeah. Omega. Rut's going to be tougher it. just because the, the liquidity is so poor yeah. at times. It almost, like, I don't even know if I would trust it. You know, and I, right. and I trust our tool, but. I don't. E I don't even know if the. No, data I know exactly such, what you mean. Yeah, you know. Yeah, work. I, I think sticking with QQQ and IWM is probably the way we're going to go, at least with our tool. Yeah, because it's probably what we would also trade ourselves. I mean, NDX is NDX is untouchable. Like I, know. I don't know anybody who can. <laughs> the liquidity in that is just crazy. So. Yeah, you got to just. I mean, I I I had done some back testing with NDX, and it, and what I found most of the ones that worked in SPX worked with NDX. If you're mm -hmm. using like some kind of moving average filter, um, like if it's bullish, you're doing bull plays and stuff, but it did like none of that worked with IWM. None of my SP like right. kind of bread and butter SPX stuff worked with, with the IWM. So, um, well, let's, you know, I know we already know what option Omega does, but can, <laughs> um, can you, can you talk me through what option Omega is just, you know, for the listeners, um, and some of the key features that that um, that you guys put into this uh, software. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so the tool we built it. I don't know if you want much of the history of it or not. We did it this out. Yeah. If you don't. Uh, sure. But we originally built this for ourselves because we were doing some back tests um, that, looking back, were obviously too good to be true, uh, based on mm -hmm. end of day data, which is mostly what's out there for automated back testing. If you don't want to click through one trade a thousand times kind of right. thing and paper traded. I would call it more like trade simulation than true back testing. So if you wanted an automated back tester, there was nothing that had good data. By good, I mean like five minute intraday data or less. And so right. we, we, we took some trades based on some back testing and they went really poorly. And then I compared them to the back tester and it was like, no, that wasn't profitable. It wasn't even close to profitable. Like I took max loss the next morning, kind of badness. Mm. And so, Quickly, what I did, Troy and I, it was actually Troy's idea to um, download the data from an Oprah data vendor and then start parsing this. So originally, it was just a command line utility, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've done software development for 20 years. And so my first inclination is just to kind of go to just hack something out so I can start beating on it and see is this thing even feasible? Can I actually build a tool that can parse the options chain quick enough? Because that's the biggest challenge is just if you think you know what a lot of data is for anybody IT listening to this, mm -hmm. you have no idea until you stare into like the options chain for SPX yeah. <laughs> for 10 years in five minute increments. It's just, it, yeah. it's like 40 chess kind of level of stuff going on there. And so, but we thankfully came up with a, a good way to do it. You could algorithm uh, over a lot of iterations that would, that could run, you know, simulate a thousand trades in 15 seconds. Depending yeah. on the trade, obviously, more or less. Yeah, it's um, pretty quick. I, I've been using it. So, yeah, good job on that. Well, thank you. Um, it wasn't easy to do, but I'll give credit to the tooling out there these days. is nothing what it was. You know, it's way, way beyond what was there 20 years ago. So there's no way we could do this before. Yeah. Right? You would have had to been on some mainframe or something crazy to have this kind of computing power. Right. So okay. I'm thankful for the cloud and, and its capabilities. I'll say that. Um, 
so the tool itself we built started pretty humble. It's just a way to say, hey, I want to try, you know, 15, 20 day calendars. I want to try this. I want to try that. But the goal of the tool has always been, I want to quickly backtest accurate, highly accurate five minute data on Spy and SPX over a 10 year period of time and see, would this trade have worked over 10 years? Like I know this could work over maybe the last 90 days. Mm-hmm. Would it have worked during the COVID crash? Would it have worked during, you know, those kind of years during from 2016 to 19 were kind of just ground up slowly with a VIX, like you were saying in 12, yeah. you know, would it work in all these conditions? Um, and we quickly found that some of the strategies that we were losing on, in fact, were terrible strategies and we stopped. <laughs> Thankfully, before we lost, blew up our account or anything. Um, yeah. And we wanted to iterate quickly. That was the other thing. So we wanted to be able to say, well, what if I tweak this one parameter? What if I change it from a 35 delta to a 20 delta? Does it do better? What about, yeah. and then we added things like, man, it'd be cool if, what if instead of a 940 entry time, you did it at 11 o'clock? Uh, and then, mm-hmm. so we've, we've been quickly adding more and more parameters. I think we want to do like a VIX backwardation flag. It'd be cool to try trades only when VIX was in backwardation. Things like that, just all kinds of ideas that we could throw yeah. out to say, was have a lot of parameters and then quickly tweak them. And I think that's what gives the tool its power is you can say, I have a basic idea or philosophy of a trade. Now let me run this with like n number of permutations, right? Like this, tweak this, only enter when VIX is above 20 and exit if VIX gets above 30 or this RSI or this SMA and like all these things. And you can do it over and over and over and over and over again quickly and come up with the optimal trade setup. And that was our goal from day one. And so far, I think people have enjoyed that aspect of it, which is the the quick feedback loop that you get using the tool. Yeah, and I'll just tack on to, you know, I, I've talked about this in a couple other episodes, but the 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 key here is the intraday pricing, because like you said, um, you know, if you're using end of day pricing, which most automatic uh, backtesters are, and just to clarify for the listeners, automatic, automatic backtesting is um, the idea that you would say, hey, I want to open this trade when this condition exists over the past five years, and it's going to go back and do it. And uh, platforms like Thinkorswim, um, I'm sure there's others. I know Thinkorswim has a think back tool, which you can go back and choose. Okay. I want to open it on this day. Um, it's still end of day back testing, but you can go back and you can back test, but it's not automated. So it's kind of manual. So I just wanted to clarify that point, but then the intraday pricing right. is key because you don't even get that in. I don't think with, with like a, like like a brokerage platform, like a thinkorswim, it's still end of day data um, for options. I think you can do intraday with, um, you know, price and stuff, but the key to the intraday is, is really the profit taking for me the, from, from, you know, I do a lot of credit spreads and t- uh, tasty trade, you know, uh, Bible, if you want to say, call it that is kind of like, you know, taking profits early and getting out and, and, you know, selling at 45 days and closing at 20 or taking profits here. So you, you know, they try to avoid the kind of gamut exposure in the last few weeks. Um, But, and, and, you know, there's capital efficiency and blah, 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 blah. But if, but once you get down to shorter term trades, like, and I'm going to loosely say seven days or less, even 14 days or less, it's, the, the other back testers out there that use end of day pricing, um, they only allow you to enter the trade in the back tester at the end of day because it's the only price they have for the day. And then they only 
look at the end of day price for you to exit. So if you're doing 30 or 60 day stuff, it's probably not that big of a deal. Uh, but if you want to increase your frequency and ultimately that's, I think part of the game is uh, when you're designing your trading strategy or, or you have a few strategies going, you could have a hundred percent win rate that this, this trade always wins, but if it only triggers once a year, then what are you going to do the other, you know, 12 months or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, so when you want to increase your frequency of trades, and you, you ultimately end up on shorter timeframes, you want to know, well, if the market gaps up and my profit got, gets hit, I want to be out. But if it's waiting till the end of the day and then there's a reversal, then that back test isn't as accurate as, as right. the end of day stuff. So I just wanted to reiterate that that's like a really, I, I think, cool thing you, you guys have put into this and you guys obviously get it, right? Um, but it's nice that there's actually a tool that has that um for well, that's uh, the that, that's the the hard part because like you're saying i don't remember what date it was in january but like, like most of my trades are on a three to five day time period i'd love to get out the same day if i can't you know but mm -hmm. but three to five days max and so um there was a day in january i mean i think it's the 24th or 26th but it it we gapped down i don't remember the percentage but like spx was down 160 points intraday mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And we we closed up on the day. Well, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think I sold. Just, the. I think I got out at the lows that day. Thanks for bringing that up. PTSD from that day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It, yeah. I could probably. Day, I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go painful. Ahead. But no, that's a few that's dollars. The, yeah, that's right. But that's the thing is like <laughs> you're back. If it's an end of day day, it's going to be like, all right, great. Closed up 10 points today. It's a quiet day. Yeah. You would have never known. Right. Like, had you opened whatever day before and you close green the next day. Yeah. Yeah. You're not experiencing the, uh, the, the stomach churn, you know, I saw, I saw a tweet <laughs> the other day that was like, man, NASDAQ's been pretty quiet so far this year, only down like 2%. <laughs> and it was just like, it's insane. <laughs> it's just, I mean, yeah. maybe if you're just uh, like buying and holding, right. If you're not doing options, maybe right. that's good enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're just going yeah. to sleep and putting on leaps calls or something, but most yeah. of us are not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think timeframes, uh, it's an important, um, it's an important thing. And I think what, I think what's interesting with the tool and um, cause we had done some similar research. Um, we had bought one minute data and we're doing um, various back tests, mostly in the credit spread world, kind of focus, trying to focus on zero DTE. So I have in my zero DTE group, I've talked about that group before. Um, and so we, we did a lot of similar stuff and, and we were experimenting with entering at various times of day. When you look at like, I don't trade the one minute chart, but if you just opened up a one minute chart, and yeah, the, the market closed up 20 points today, but that may not encapsulate like a uh, an intraday move of 50 points or something, right? Um, especially right. when volatility is high. So when you, if you're mm -hmm. able to, um, from a zero to maybe one DTE kind of perspective, just kind of capture some of those moves, you know, it's, it's, it's super quick and it could go against you. You know, it's, it's not for the, you know, faint of heart or anything, but, mm -hmm. um, but being able to, um, I, I think this is important for people who have day jobs because mm -hmm. a lot of my members yeah. um, still work and, you know, depending on what your job is, if you are, if you're, 
busy in the morning, then for you to kind of say, okay, I want to, uh, you know, the best time I can trade is in the afternoon, maybe at lunch hour or whatever. Let me, let me focus on that entry time, let's say one o'clock and let me see if there's some things I can, I can do that work for me. Right. Or if mm -hmm. you, you know, maybe you're a teacher and you get done with school at two or three, well, maybe the end of day is best for you to trade because you're done with your job or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of flexibility that SPX and XPY can offer because of the liquidity and with a tool like um, Option Omega, uh, catering or crafting that strategy to your specific schedule or whatever, I think, I think is very doable for people to say that there's a guy in my group, he trades Monday morning and he kills it. Right. Mm. And, and then he's done. I mean, I, I mean, he may trade, he may trade other things. I don't know, but he, he kills it. Right. Yeah. And that's his thing. Right. Yeah. He, he gets, you know, he, he's had yeah. a, a really good run even during the, uh, the pullback. So I, I just want to reiterate that intraday pricing and the ability to really kind of um, back test and research entering and exit exiting at certain times at various, you know, profit targets and whatnot, I think is pretty, uh, pretty powerful. I mean, to your point, we've had some pretty wild, that's the great thing about releasing a tool like this, right? Where people are using it so many different ways. You talk about the creativity in options is mm. one of the, I think, alluring parts of it. And so there's a guy who's just a machine on, on our Facebook group who has these just pretty wild ideas. But one of them, he's like, anyone who's ever traded notices there's a 2 p.m. bump. I'm like, is there? I, maybe I'm just asleep at the wheel. But so he, he enters at two and gets out at 205, right? Mm. And, and just every day and try, and he back tested it. And sure enough, it was like, pretty dang successful like shockingly so wow but that's the kind of stuff you can do with intraday data that's like the most extreme <laughs> zero day i've ever seen is the five minute bump yeah. at 2 p.m which I, yeah. i'm sorry well, they, if they happen if everyone takes that trade but, they yeah. happen fast we we had done a, a bunch of tests and we were we were testing um like three in the money like in the money stuff be, uh just to kind of because you could, with spreads, you can reduce your risk because the max loss is less when you're three in the money, but you have mm -hmm. to have the market move. But if you can, right. if, if it does move and you, you got a lot of Delta in there, but um, it, you can actually book some of that profit. And I mean, it, it can happen fast, like five mm -hmm. minutes. And then if it doesn't, you can close or whatever. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of creativity. What do you guys think about the addition of um, CBOE announced they're coming out with five days per week? expiration so i'm assuming I, I think troy you mentioned you guys were gonna uh, is that going to be naturally built into your feed like that the data feed that you get is just going to factor in there so eventually oh, yeah. you'll yeah. be able to do ex like monday one day to expiration or or tuesday zero day is that is For that sure. coming yeah, with you way, guys yeah the way it looks the way it looks at it right now is just it, you know one day dte is just going to find the next expiration and those expirations will be in there so when they yeah. announced that it's like as someone building an intraday data back testing tool we're like well hallelujah i mean business is good over here i mean that's yeah that's great for us obviously just and it's yeah. great for us as traders taking short-term trades so yeah i i love it and the thing with spx i mean you know the liquidity is going to be there it might mm -hmm. be there might be a little uh, you know a the first week or two it might be a little weird but right it's gonna, yeah people are going to go crazy on it you know yeah so it, I love it'll it. be it, it'll be interesting and because I'm wondering if some of the patterns or whatever it is you want to call it that I trade, um, if if those, I would assume they're going to change. But is SPY going five days a week too, or is it just SPX? 
You know? Man, that's a good I don't know on top of my head. That's because a good question. SPY isn't the CBOE, right? I I might be right. I, mean, I don't think it is going five days a week. I, think I don't think it is. So so SPX is going to be a that'll be interesting because you you know if SPY isn't, they probably will right at some point. But if oh, they, for sure, for if sure. They're, they if I mean, there aren't, then maybe maybe the liquidity would actually maybe shift over there a little bit. Um, yeah, for sure. Q, 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 I mean the Qs are. Did they do Monday expiration here recently? Is that right? Mm. Um, I think they've added they've added a Monday expiration as well to the queue. So eventually, I think all of these liquid products are just going to be trading. This is like the last step before you do twenty four hour stuff, which I don't personally think would be useful. But I know people push for it all the time. I, I saw where did I see that it was going to go twenty four? Something was going to go twenty four hours, but I never really well SPX. SPX they have extended trading hours is what they did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It basically does trade all night, but I think it's the broker dependent. I think some brokers are just like, no, no, no gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I use Tastyworks and it's not. Yeah, like I went bankers hours. I don't know why anyone would push for that. Like, Duh. yeah, I want to be done at four. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, yeah. That's. I, I thought about that. I was like, well, maybe I can trade at night. You know, I get up early. <laughs> Um, I got I'm, I'm literally waiting for the market to open a lot of times, oh, yeah. but you know, to get maybe get entered into something. Um, yeah, I, I use Tastyworks too. I'm actually might go back to Thinkorswim. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have both, but I, I might shift some of that back to Thinker. I wonder if they're offering that. So if they're you, not, if they're not, I don't know who would at this point. Yeah, if, if it seems like it's not. too much, right? Like that's probably yeah. that's probably too much. But um, I th- I want to. I want to go over a couple of the the features, if you will, of the backtest product because I know there was a couple things that really interest me. And uh, you know, we talked about the intraday pricing, but one of the things you did, I think, was really helpful. And I wanted to ask you kind of how you guys thought about that is the the position sizing allocation feature, if you will. And from some of the other platforms I used um, and still use. Uh, they they tend to just take one contract or one spread at a time. So if you're doing like a five-year test or whatever, and you said, okay, how did this do? They'll say, okay, here's all your winners and losers and how much you made. And maybe, you know, maybe you get some kind of level of expectancy out of it. But but then the next step is to say, okay, cool, this is this looks like it wins. How much should I risk? And what did this, what did that look like? So, and your guys' um tool in option omega you're able to set up an account size let's say 10 grand 100 grand and you can say i want to allocate 10 percent or whatever and you can see how that did but what i wanted to which i think is really cool but what i wanted to ask you is how do you use that tool or that part of the tool because i've like let's say you have five strategies and you know you have a hundred thousand dollar account and you have five strategies do you guys say, okay, in the back test, I'm going to plug it in at a hundred grand and I'm going to allocate 5% per trade. Or do you say, I'm going to allocate 20 grand to this one strategy and then allocate more, which might be bigger of a, uh, might be in the context of a, of a larger account. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, to me, <laughs> allocation percentage, uh, I've probably talked to Rusty and our other partner, Matt, so you're all like, I love Kelly criterion so much, mm, yeah. like almost from a philosophical standpoint. And 
Fortune's Formula is a great book. If yeah. anybody ever wants to read it, it's, it's an awesome yeah. book. But to me, allocation percentage is part of the strategy. Like it's just as important as the strategy. So people will say, I want to put on a broken wing butterfly. I think this is a great strategy over the last 10 years or like a, a condor or whatever. Um, but what they don't think about a lot of times is how allocation percentage affects the P&L. And so we wanted a way basically to show you how a trade that, you know, the, the percentage winning doesn't, you know, the win percentage doesn't change at all, but like it is an 85% win rate, you can go broke at a 30% allocation. Right. And when you show people that, they're like, how? Like, how does a 95% win rate, you go broke? And once you explain it, it makes sense. But we wanted to put that in there just because I think in real life, that is just as important a thing is how much are you actually allocating to each trade? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why we did it. And Rusty did, Rusty did that feature and did a great job of it. But, yeah, I, I, I love it. I've, I've already... um. I've shared a couple, so I've been going back and re-back testing some of my strategies I've been doing and adding different profit, intraday profit targets and things and, and the allocation. And, and it's really kind of opened my eyes. It was something that I always had to kind of uh, do manually and I probably didn't do the best job. And I think I think once you can visualize that, uh, with the sort of P&L curve that you guys have, which kind of throws the stats up to like average average win, average loss, that type of thing. Um, mm. I think it adds to the confidence level because ultimately, you know, you can find a, a strategy, but you, you have, to, you know, to make it um, significant, like you have to size it up. And it's hard when you're not That's confident right. enough to, to do size. And um, so I think that, that having that tool built in, because if you don't have that, what you have to do is you have to download every trade and then you have to put it in Excel and I've done this. And then I have to say, okay, well, what's, you know, how do I want to figure out my risk? Like with the credit spread, I have a max loss and then I'm going to say, okay, well, that's 1%. You got to do all this math. And then, you know, it's hard to, um, it, it's just, it's just that extra step. So part of the 15 second back test includes that, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. So you guys are saving me a lot of time. With, with that. Uh, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you like that. I mean, I, it, it's yeah. certainly done that for me, right? Because I'm normally a pretty risk adverse person. I think most people who do mechanical trading are probably more risk adverse, right? We're trying to generate a consistent income or a consistent return on our capital. Yeah. And yeah, it is really, it's really difficult to say, I'm going to take the plunge and now do 25% of my portfolio allocated to this strategy, unless you have something that shows you that, no, you're not going to blow up your account. Well, okay, the whole. Past, you know, whatever is not indicative of future returns, but we got to put that disclaimer right on there. But the point is that yeah. odds are, and it's pretty, again, it's not complex math. We're not talking about whatever, some kind of third trimester calculus. It's, it's pretty simple to say that, you know, if, if you have this kind of win percentage and you, and you see it in real time in the app, or not real time, but if you see the actual results in the app saying, no, you won't, you'll have some drawdowns, but you're not going to blow up your account. And overall, if you trust the math and you trust the process and you get out when you, if you have stop losses, take the thing off, dang it. Don't, yeah. don't hope and dream that this thing is going to, you know, mean revert or something. If you follow the math and you follow the program and you look at what you've built, you can have a lot of confidence to then to your point to size up and to yeah. actually, and that's done that for me. Right. Cause I've, I could be kind of chicken sometimes and be like, uh, especially when you, we've been burnt, right. The last 
five months have been kind of a crap show for um, if you're yeah. trying to do theta trading. It's great if you're doing directional plays and you're swing trading, you're scalping, but that's if it's, if it's not your MO, if you're doing income trading, it's been a little bit rough out there at times. And then, yeah. uh, so you have that recency bias, right? But mm. once you have the trade back on, which kind of hopefully we're back in that territory now, things are stabilizing a bit. We have some direction from the Fed, you know. Um, hopefully you can go back to trade and say, I, I have to get over my recency bias. I have to get over my fears and yeah. actually start risking the money that is reasonable to risk. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough too because we're we're in the you know as we're we're recording this uh, the end of uh, March and um, the market is you know back above the 200 and but is it a bear market rally? Is it you know so there's still there's still some questions out there. But I, yeah, I I agree with with what you're saying. The last few months have been um, kind of tough for, for 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 traditional income trading. Um, I do want to add on. I really think the max contract size checkbox or whatever that you guys put in there. I think that's really important um, because we, we saw this when we did our back tester and we said, okay, over five years, do this trade and we're going to risk 5%, you know, on a trade or whatever. Well, it got to where over five years, you would be trading like 300 contracts and you made, you made $5 million or whatever. So the, the, which isn't realistic, right? We all knew that when I saw the numbers, like, no way, that's not, that's not right. Mm -hmm. But, but what you see is that it, it actually does scale up, but, but at some point, you know, if you know your product and I, I don't know what the max is for SPX, but you know, you know, I, I, I'm pretty yeah, sure <laughs> you could probably do like 50 to hundred contracts broken up across a few orders. Because when I look at the liquidity, at least on zero day stuff, you're in the 10 on the put side, you're, you're 8,000, 10,000 contracts yeah. being traded, you know, right. that day. So yeah. the idea I could get to a hundred contracts would be good, but um, you know, at some point you're not going to have a million dollar account and trade a thousand contracts and expect right. to get in and out. <laughs> so, so the idea in the back test would say, okay, well, I, I do want to allocate three 5% or whatever it is of this size account um, and watch it grow over time. But at the same time, let me max my contracts to let's say 50, and that's going to be a little bit more realistic. And I think that's ultimately what we're trying to do is is get this research um, as close to reality as as we can, so that um, you know we want to be honest with ourselves when we look at these things. Is it too good to be true? I know. I think mm -hmm. I talked to you guys yes. once. I was like, hey, I was like, hey, I don't know. Th this trade's too good to be true. I have to go back and mm -hmm. test it again. I don't know if that was a, a glitch or whatever, but I, um, but it was one of those things where you're like, you need to question the, the good ones, right? You need to question. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Make sure no, that, you're not. That, mm -hmm. That's been one of the biggest things, just watching people use it in real time. Like my engineering, like what could go wrong mind is starting to just be like, because to your point, you know, someone will run a test and by the end it's like, Hey, I made, I, I'm Jeff Bezos. Like I've made $400 million on this <laughs> condor in five years. And yeah. you're like, well, <laughs> sure. By the end, your notional equivalency of spy was like 45 million shares of spy. Yeah. You know? I mean, like when you're pushing 4,000 SPX contracts a trade, that'll do it. You know? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, also, yeah. I'll say to your point about unrealistic trades, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Like I want right, to put that right. caveat out there. Yeah. 
you shouldn't be trying, you should be trying to find a good trade. You shouldn't be trying to game a simulation, which at the end of the day, a back tester can only, it's only ever going to be a simulation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like one of the things I'll, I'd like to put out there, if you're doing like short term calendars, like I'm talking like, let's say three, three days on the short, six days on the long on mm-hmm. SPX. If you ever actually trade these things, watch the mid price, right? There isn't a mid price. There's a mid range. It just jumps. Yeah. everywhere yeah and so but will you actually get filled no like it, it will touch it will go way past your profit target even but yeah. you may or may not get filled because it's just going crazy because the legs since they are not um on the same expiration will jump out of sync with each other and so right. even right. the best yeah. back tester in the world put just don't be crazy that's that's my that's my thing i tell people like you should question whether or not you're just figuring out a really good way to game the tool rather than beat the market, you know? Yeah, that's uh, a good point. I've done that. I've been like, well, what if I, I mean, it's, it's almost like um, that probably falls in line with like overfitting or something where you're mm-hmm. like, you're just m- micro changing. You're like, oh, this, this would have done so great. And, but like you said, it's, it's yeah. a simulation and definitely things yes. aren't going to, things are definitely going to be different in the future. Um you know, I've, I've seen things work better than the back test too. So, you know, it's not always worse. Right. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen things, you know, more streaky, you know, you might, might get a, a, a really good yeah. win streak. I do a lot of bull stuff, but so, you know, there might be a period where like, well, man, this did way better, but you yeah. got to, you know, the back test is a certain period of time and, and the future is going to be obviously be a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. I got one more question about the, um, one of the cool features in the tool that I hadn't seen before. And I kind of, kind of knew about it, but it's the premium capture um, little section. And it sounds, it sounds, you know, pretty basic, but can you kind of talk through just what premium capture is and, and, you know, what someone might want to, you know, look at or use that metric for? That was a conversation actually Rusty and David Sun had had. I know you've had David Sun on a couple of times. Yeah. And that was some, that was actually a David Sun request. He called me like three days, like a week ago. And he's like, hey, there's a new backtesting tool um, called Option Omega. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I've been talking to those guys. And because um, he was, because he knew I had, you know, with, with a, with a buddy of mine had built our own. Um, Lee, uh, my buddy Lee had built one and, um, and I was like, yeah, I'm using it. And, and I've been, you know, kind of beta testing. And he said that he was, he's, uh, you know, making recommendations and stuff to you guys too. So he, he's, if he's on boarding, yeah, people know who David's son is. He's, I've had him on this show a couple of times, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was, that was his idea. Rusty. And that's probably yeah, where I, that probably where I got a lot of that from. Cause he's talked about that. So yeah. that's, that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. He's been a big proponent of it. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think at its base is you ask what it is. It's what is the amount of premium that you're, it's for premium sold, but you could also use it for debit trades, which I've done and found mm-hmm. it pretty good. But I know he's mostly a, a, a premium seller. Yeah. And it's just simply the, the percentage of the premium sold that you're actually profiting, that you're actually capturing. Right. And so that's a quick way to say, if I'm, you know, if I want to, it's way to back end it. If you're trying to generate income or returns is, is to back into it. So if I want to make, 10k a month and that means if you are going to capture 20% of your premium let's see your PCR is 20% premium capture rate right then you would need mm-hmm. to do five times that right of premium right. sold 
And then you'd have to figure out, well, how much margin requirement would that be, depending if you have portfolio margin or standard margin, et cetera. It's a little bit easier if you do it. It works on debit trade. So I, I buy a lot of calendars. I love to trade calendars when the market is calm. Okay. And Troy does too. We, we both of us do. And so that one's easier because the margin requirements really built into the calendar, right? If it's 4%, right? Let's say you, you're making, let's do 5% to make it easy math. If it's 5% premium capture on a calendar, then you know, um, and you want to make, you know, again, $10,000 a month, then you better put on, what is it, 200K of margin requirement per month. I got in there, right? What is it? Five times 10K. Right, yeah, it'd be twenty times because you're you're capturing five yeah. percent. So you better have enough. You better be having enough margin to, uh, depending on what your frequency of trading is and everything else. You're really saying this is the amount per month, and you can back into income generation using that metric alone, mm. which is pretty handy. Think, yeah, thinking about it backwards is interesting because I, I I just it was just popping up, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and then I started noticing like um, I was mainly back testing various credit spreads and timeframes and things like that. And so I started, I started getting obsessed with uh, win rate targeting. So when, mm -hmm. when I choose my strikes, right. um, it was like, okay, if I go, if I go farther out of the money um, and let's say, a, you know, Delta 50 is like kind of at the money. If I was selling Delta 45 and I was getting, let's say a 70% uh, win rate, um, I'm like, okay, that's my edge. If I'm selling Delta 45 and that means I'm getting, um, that means there's a 55% chance expires out of the money. But since I'm winning 70% of the time, that that to me, that's how I I think about my edge is my win rate versus the Delta I'm selling. And um, and then I saw the the premium capture field and I was like, okay, all right. So I'm getting... Uh, I don't, I'm just making up numbers at this point because I don't remember, but it was like, you know, 18% or something like that. I'm like, okay, that, that's, yeah. that makes sense. And I'm, I'm seeing, here's all the premium you sold over the time, $800,000, and you were able to keep this much of it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. And then I would, I would adjust the numbers a little bit and say, okay, well, let me, let me increase my win rate. And there's two ways to increase win, win rate, at least with credit spreads, is to sell farther out of the money. Doesn't mean you're going to make more money. It just means you're going to increase your win rate and and take profits quicker so it's those that little triangulation of those things and i started um and i, I don't have it uh, articulated yet but the the premium capture rate changed too so that's something that i'm like okay um what should i pay should i pay attention to it does that matter for yeah. what i'm doing um but it is an interesting metric that i want to kind of uh learn more about but i like what you said about you know if 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 you're able to capture this much, then that might give you a hint or clue about how much you need to sell, I guess, if you're trying to generate a um, certain amount of income. So, so yeah, kudos to, um, I mean, you guys are, you guys are killing it. I mean, I, you keep adding things. I, every time I go in there, I'm like, okay, well, what's this button do? And, and so I start messing around with it. Um, <laughs> I know you do have some technical analysis entries, some moving averages. Are, um, right. are you planning on expanding that a little bit with, you know, uh, compare like if the market's in a certain moving average condition taking trades or um i know you have like the 20 and 50 and 100 but i guess i'm asking at this point can you can you add 
um, <laughs> some shorter, shorter term moving averages in there for me. That'd yeah, we, we've had requests. So right now we have yeah. a 14 day standard RSI that you would see. Yeah. We've had people asking for the five minute intraday RSI. We've had people asking, I think you asked for, was it five and 10, 10 day simple moving yeah. averages? Well, intraday um, would be, I mean, that would be actually be pretty cool. I know that's probably harder, um, but actually it's not. I mean, the day we have all the, once you have all the data recorded, yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to then go back and calculate that. So yeah, it's, it's basically just a, um, matter of, of me going back into the system and saying, yeah, these are the, the breaks. Cause what I can't do is ad hoc. I can't be like, well, this person wants an eight and this person wants a nine. Cause it has to be pre-calculated right. in order for the algorithm to work efficiently right. and quickly. Yeah. Um, and so I just need to know. So we started with 20, 50, 100, 200. Mm as being the most popular SMAs that I heard people trade and that yeah. I, I don't trade them a lot, but you know, I've started to trade them a little bit more as I've seen back to better or worse, depending on them. Um, but yeah, we could certainly add shorter duration. We just need to know what those are and what the demand for those are. Cause yeah. last time we wanted like 50 levels in there and then it's kind of a, yeah. you know, a mess of trying to figure out what levels you're going to pick and everything else. Yeah. So. so last question, what other things are you guys planning on adding you mentioned maybe more tickers um are there any other um i guess back test components or anything like i guess what's on the roadmap for you guys at this point the biggest yeah we're going to definitely add some more tickers and trying to think through that right now we're probably always going to be index focused so like you said we're yeah. thinking through iwm and Qs and things like yeah. that maybe one or two just some fun. Maybe Apple and yeah, yeah, Tesla. yeah, Yolo, yeah okay. stuff like that. I mean, Apple's basically an index, is the way I look at it. But yeah, uh, uh, the big thing we're working on is something that I told Rusty for like a year or two now. Just all the back, I've never seen a back tester do it, and it's something that I've always wanted personally, particularly coming from like beginnings of like tell hedging stuff, mm. is a portfolio view where you can run multiple tests together through time. Mm and see what that would look like. I think that's a game changer, at least for my own trading. And I think yeah. it would be for other people as well. And so that's something we're hitting pretty hard right now. We're hoping to be, you know, pretty close. I think we're, we're pretty close. We don't know how long it'll take, but we're getting there. And so uh, that's something we're real excited about. It's just a yeah. portfolio feature. Just so you could do something like, I mean, David Sun talks about this all the time. He has his mm -hmm. two or three trades that he runs in tandem. Mm -hmm. So if you had, let's say a theta trading strategy, but then you also had, you know, tail hedging, whether that's on VIX or that, well, we don't trade VIX yet, but so scratch that. But uh, yeah. let's say you were buying way out of the money, spy puts or SPX puts or something like that. Mm. And you could see the PL curve, the CAGR, like all that kind of portfolio level stuff that people want to see. I think that's the goal of ours. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. That would be cool. I know, I know David, when he, when I talked to him, that was, I, he does trade like that where he's, he's trading, uh, I think 60 and 90 day selling, you know, net premium seller, but he's got some hedging in place and uh, yeah. closing at various, um, various intervals and things. So um, very cool. Another thing oh, I was going to say, the only other thing we, that we really have thought about doing is like having some kind of way to share trades inside the app. Right. Um, just because people, I found that this community shockingly is so willing to help each other. People love to like, talk about trading they love mm -hmm. to share trades and ideas it's a very collaborative community like until you really get into it you, you would never realize how much and so it'd be cool to have like a trade hall of fame where you could have like upvotes it, it, just some cool ideas yeah can, that would uh, be cool going back and forth on it yeah, yeah you know why that is you know why you know why they love helping each other because 
it's like pretty lonely out there when it comes to uh I, I went to lunch with um my a couple of friends from work yes from my old job I should say I I still call it work even though I don't work there anymore um and I I got caught up in explaining something and they just look at me like I'm crazy so anytime you can just connect with others about tail hedging like it's kind of a big yes. deal and and it's well, you know I mean you can do it on Twitter which is like a troll storm of you know minutia but but to 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 have a positive environment to where people are actually trying to helping you or help you and share what's working for them like David's son's been great he trades way larger size than I ever would so obviously I'm not going <laughs> to do what he does right because right? he's running a fund you know kind of thing right. um, but you know I'm on the retail side and uh, a little bit more and so you know I, I I think that's one of the great things with SPX SPY is that you know once you grow, there are adjustments to make to mm -hmm. trade bigger. Um, yeah. and you can get pretty big. I mean, you can get to, you know, trading spreads and things like that. But once you get into selling naked puts and 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 going much larger, um, you know, it's nice to know that there's other people that are at least in the same community that you can kind of follow that path. And David's a great um, sharer of information uh, sure. along those lines. I was going to say, it's especially lonely when the market's going south and you've lost some trades. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing more cathartic than getting on, seeing people lose more money than you. And you're like, okay, I'm, yeah. Not, yeah. I'm not so terrible after all. <laughs> well, I, I definitely recommend everybody go check out Option Omega. I think we've set up a, a, a coupon code for you guys. If you, uh, for the podcast listeners for SMOT, Stock Market Options Trading, if you use that code, you get 50% off. So we appreciate the discount for our, our listeners. What's the best way for anyone who um, has maybe more questions before they, they tried it out? What's the best way to reach out to you guys? Uh, if you go to our website, we have a Discord channel that you can go on. Anybody can go on. We have Facebook. Okay. We have Twitter. You know, we're on social media all day. So, you know, rather than give the email, it's probably just as quick. Just to yeah. say, just, just go to the website. Some, yeah, the website. Okay. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for joining. And um, I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks Appreciate so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. Great talking.